On Sunday mornings, we've been journeying through the book or the Gospel of John. Well, we're going to take a little vacation from the Gospel of John this morning, and we're going to look at a new series of sermons that I want to start. I shared with you when we began to look at that series of sermons, Getting to Know Jesus, Believe and Live, I shared with you there would be times that we would take a break. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, we've been on a break for a while, but you know that's true. With all of the holidays, it's hard. Uh, uh, you know, we have been, we preached or I preached on Christmas one Sunday. We had Brother Travis Hogg come in view of a call, and he was here and preached one Sunday in December. But I'm promising you, unless the Lord returns or calls me home, February, the first Sunday of February, we're going to jump back in to the Gospel of John. I'm promising you that. Now, if you show up on a Sunday morning and you've not heard about me passing on, you know the rapture is happening. You have missed out, all right? Someone else will have to preach through the Gospel of John to you. But I want you to know we're going to go back to the Gospel of John. We're going to continue to look at that great Gospel where John really reveals to us who Jesus Christ is. But for the month of December, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to start a series of sermons that I've simply entitled Current Issues. Current Issues. I believe the Bible to be the most relevant book that has ever been authored. And I also believe at some point in time, the Bible will speak to every issue in mankind's lives, even the issues that we face in America today. As you look at the landscape of America today, there are a number of different issues that we are tackling here. Would you agree with me on that statement this morning? When I turn on the news, I see many different issues cultural issues that are going on in America. And the question that I have is, how do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, address those issues? There's only one or two ways. We can stick our head in the sand and ignore them and play like they don't exist. And some people choose to do that. Or we can choose to address those issues from the Word of God and let God's Word speak into our heart and life about what we should believe about that issue and how do we answer the questions that our friends, our relatives, our acquaintances, our co-workers may have concerning those issues. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the sanctity of life. I want to talk to you about the fact that God has fearfully and wonderfully made every human being. From the point of conception till birth to the point of death, we see God's hand at work in creation, in creation of human life. We cannot debate and argue that. As a matter of fact, there are a number of different passages in God's Word that speaks directly about God's role in the process of creating human life, and we're going to look at some of those. But as many of you know, on the 22nd of January in 1973, the Supreme Court made or heard a landmark case. Many of you will recognize that case by the name of Roe versus Wade. That case would determine 
the value of unborn life in America. The decision of that case has forever changed the fabric of America. What it has done is devalued life in our society. It has made the value of unborn life about a choice. Oftentimes, a choice of convenience. Now, I will say to you this morning, I realize the issue we are going to talk about today is a very sensitive one. Women who have experienced abortion abortion often carry tremendous guilt and shame for their actions throughout the rest of their life. And I don't want any of the comments I make this morning to be insensitive. So what I would like to do is start by just making some opening comments concerning this very real issue that we face in America. I was sharing with Miss Jeanette and in the early service that I had forgotten that she was coming to speak today. I knew that she was coming in January. So it is by no mistake that we look at this issue today. This sermon was prepared before I ever heard from Miss Jeanette on Thursday to remind me, Brother Jeff, I'm coming to speak on Sunday morning. But one of the things I want to make sure of is that the Word of God guides and directs what it is that we believe. I mean, after all, as followers of Jesus Christ, this does have all authority for our lives. The Word of God. If that is true, the foundation of our lives must be built on that Word. So let me just make three comments this morning as I would begin. First, we need to remember we serve a God of grace and mercy. No matter what ungodly choices any of us have made in life, God offers healing, restoration, and forgiveness to those who are willing to come to Him with a repentant heart. That is the truth of God's Word. When Jesus Christ hung and died on the cross, He died for all the sins that mankind would ever commit in this world. As a result of that, we can find forgiveness at the cross of Jesus Christ concerning any unwise, ungodly decision that we may make. Number two, as a teacher and a preacher of God's Word, I want to be clear. The Bible is clear that abortion is sinful and open rebellion against God's plan for a woman's life. That is the clear teaching of God's Word. Number three, I want you to know I am not here to judge anyone's choices they have made. And as a church, we should not judge the choices that people have made. We are encouraged to bear one another's burdens as Bible-believing followers of Jesus Christ. We are not here to judge their actions. God and God alone is judge. 
What I want to do this morning is simply offer encouragement and exhortation from God's Word. The words I offer this morning come from a context of love and compassion for a person. If this is something you have experienced in your life, please hear my words. My heart breaks for you. And I want you to know there is always hope and healing in Christ Jesus. I want to allow those comments to guide us this morning because I do realize this is a very sensitive issue. And at the same time, I think we do an injustice to God's Word when we dodge the challenging issues that we're facing in America today. How do we address the issues? The issues are there, folks. They are out there. The question is, is how do we make right application of God's Word to address that issue that we see going on in our world? Now, having said that, I want us to jump right into this sermon and seek to learn what it is that God teaches us about life. And here's the question I want you to consider this morning. The question that I would ask everybody in this building. The question I would ask you today is, what value do you place on a life? What value do you place on a life? The very clear teaching of God's Word is this, is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God? This morning I want to share with you three biblical truths about life. The fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Three truths that should lead all of us to value life at, even, at any stage, even the life of the unborn. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open them up to Genesis, the first chapter. I can't think of a better place for us to start when we talk about life. As many of you know, Genesis records for us the creation story. And within the creation story, what we find there are the beginnings of life. Now, I want you to follow along with me this morning as we read about the beginnings of life. When I speak of life, I'm speaking about human life. And I want you to listen to what it says here in chapter 1 of the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, open them there or your device. I forgot to say that. I apologize. I don't want to exclude anybody that has a device instead of the Word of God like I do. But verses 26 and 27, I want you to hear what it is that the Word of God records about the beginning of life. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now the pronoun there, us, is referring or is reference to the Trinity. In essence, what is being said here is let God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit make life in their image and their likeness. Listen to what he says. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea 
and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, this is the first truth I want to offer you concerning life. God values all life. God values all life. There are two different facts that are pointed out in these two verses for us. The first fact is this. God is the one who creates. As a matter of fact, three times in verse 27, that word create is used in reference to God. Did you hear what he said? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And male and female, he created them. I mean, it can't be any clearer than that in the Word of God, that it is God who created mankind. That is the truth of Scripture. Scripture clearly points out to us that life is in the hands of of God. It is God who created life, and because God created life, life is valuable. Number two, the second fact we see in this passage of Scripture is not only that God just created life, I want you to notice how He created life. He said that He created us in His image and His likeness. Now, if you were to read the entirety of the creation story, you would realize something. Day six is the climax of the story. The beginning of that day, Scripture teaches us that God created every breathing, living creature that walks upon the face of the earth. At the end of the day, He creates one last living being. He creates mankind. But the similarities between us and animal life end at that point. Because God says something very unique here in this passage of Scripture. In the opening verse, or in verse 26 that I read to you earlier, He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That means He gave only to mankind the capability of rational thought and moral responsibility. In other words, our origins and identity is in God. He only gave mankind the capability of relating to Him in a personal way. When God chose to create mankind in His image, He was saying, All human beings have intrinsic value. They have worth. Even the child in the womb, from conception, they bear the image of God, the one true living God. And as a result of that, they have great value in the eyes of God. That is the truth of God's Word. When we read God's Word and we search Scripture, it is impossible to walk away with any other conclusion than human life at any stage has value in the eyes of God. That is the truth of Scripture. So truth number one that we see presented to us in God's Word is this. God values 
all life. Would you agree with me on that this morning? I hope that we're all together on that, that God values life, that there's worth in life. Every single person bears the image of God. We are image bearers. Now, don't misunderstand me. That image has been horribly marred by sin. But we are image bearers of God. And in Christ Jesus, that image is restored in Christ, not because of who we are. But what I want you to hear me say more than anything else this morning is this, all life has value. All life has value in the sight of God. Truth number two, because God is creator, only He has the right to determine when life begins. Now let me say it again and listen to it carefully. Because God is creator, only He has the right to determine when life begins. I would challenge you to find anywhere in the Bible that we are told that the created has a right to tell the creator something. You won't find it. You won't find it. We are not given that right. God is creator, and you and I are not. And perhaps nowhere is this more clearly spelled out to us in Scripture than the 139th Psalm. So just run over there real quickly in your Bible. Look to the 139th Psalm, and I want you to hear what it is that David is going to describe for us in this psalm. He is going to paint us a beautiful picture of the miracle of created life in this passage. As I read it, I want you to listen to very closely to the words that he uses here. Begin, we're going to begin reading there in verse 13, and I want you to just hear what it is that is said. For you, that is a reference to God, verse 13, the 139th psalm, I'll give you a moment, I hear pages still turning. You know, that's, that's one of the greatest sounds in the life of a pastor, is when people are flipping pages in their Bible. It is. It makes me happy on the inside. All right, so the 139th Psalm, let's begin reading right here in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you see that right there? Isn't that great? Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. Man, can't you almost visualize David sitting there writing this passage of Scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and there is a sense of awe on his face and in his heart as he thinks about the miracle of life, the miracle that God has performed in the living or the life of every living being. Can you see that in this text? Beautifully and wonderfully made. What else did he say here? How wonderful are your works, O God. You can hear the praise 
flowing out of David's heart as he thinks about the miracle of life. I want you to notice three words in this passage that really give us a good picture of this miracle that God has performed. The first word is found in verse 13. It's the word knitted. The word literally means to be woven together. Second is the word intricately woven, which is found in verse 15, and it means to embroider. You've all seen men, or I don't want to offend anybody. Maybe you men enjoy embroidering stuff as well. I don't want to exclude anybody. But we've all seen a person who embroiders something and the detail and how beautiful that is. You know, when I was in the International Mission Board and we lived in Zambia, I had an opportunity to travel to Chiang Mai, Thailand. It's the capital of Thailand. And Chiang Mai, Thailand is known for two things. First, it has one of the largest outdoor markets of any place in the world. Literally half of the city is an outdoor market. And it's a city that has about 2 million people. It's unbelievable. Road or street after street is just market. The other thing that Thailand is known for is silk. Silk. If you want to buy silk at a very cheap price, travel to Thailand and you can buy clothes made out of silk. You can buy handbags, anything made out of silk. So when I was there, I traveled into the market and I decided I was going to buy my oldest daughter, a silk scarf. It's the scarf that I'll hold before you this morning. Now, I know that you can't really see this scarf, but if you were here closer and you could look at it, this is what you would notice about it. You would notice the detail. You would notice that whoever took time to weave this scarf was a master craftsman. They knew what they were doing. The detail is so intricate. The embroidery around the edges is unbelievable. It is a beautiful sight to behold. But can I tell you something this morning? It is nothing compared to the miracle of life. Nothing compared to it. Nothing at all compared to the miracle of life. The picture that David is painting for us through the usage of this words. He is painting for us the picture of a mother's womb. The Lord, the Lord God intricately weaves together a beautiful tapestry of human life from its very beginning. To take life at any point from the point of conception till birth is to interrupt this beautiful miracle and that is a horrible tragedy. It's a horrible tragedy. The Word of God makes it oh so very clear. God is at work in the entire process of conception to birth. And because we are made fearfully and wonderfully created by the hand of God only, only He has the right to determine when life begins. That is not a decision that He has left up to mankind. That is not a decision He's left up to mankind. God makes that very clear in this passage of Scripture. That only He has the right to make that decision. To determine when is the beginning of life. Truth number three. Children are a heritage from God given to parents. And we should 
cherish them. We should cherish them. Now, let me understand. Let me, let, me, let me help you understand something this morning. That doesn't mean they're always cherishable. They're not. But we should cherish them. And because they are a heritage from God, it is not the right of any adult to choose whether an unborn child should live or not. To state that a woman or a man and a woman together has a choice concerning that decision assumes that the unborn child belongs to them or to her, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. We are taught in Scripture that we are stewards of everything that we have, and what we have in this world has been given to us by God. I want you to listen to what one of the wisest men who ever lived had to say about children. Solomon wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 127, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. A heritage is something precious passed down from one generation to the next. Children are not mishaps or inconveniences. According to the words of Solomon, they are a gift to be treasured beyond or above all things. They are our legacy, is what God's Word says. They are our legacy. The clear truth we are presented Our children are a heritage given to us by God, and we should treasure them. This morning, as I conclude this sermon, I want to share with you one last verse of Scripture. I believe it is a verse of Scripture that helps us to best understand the preciousness and the value of life. It's found in Ephesians, the second chapter. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And in the 10th verse of that passage of Scripture, this is what he says. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, I don't know how you do this in your Bible, but I would encourage you to highlight underscore the word workmanship. That word workmanship in the Greek is where we get our English word poem. Every life in Christ is like a poem that has been written by God for His good pleasure and His honor and His glory is what He's saying. No verse of Scripture makes it any clearer Life is precious and valuable in the eyes of God. What value do you place on a life? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and the way it speaks into our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray that we will be a people that stands firm on the truth of Your Word 
to your honor and to your glory. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.